0: Quite David, bold.
1: Take <laughs> note of good bold predictions. <laughs> don't,
2: don't be mean to me, Nico. I'm sorry, you. David. I'm sorry, David.
1: <laughs> hey there, listener, and welcome to the 19th episode of the MetaCast Roundtables. I'm your host, Nico, and today I'm joined by Chong C. A. An. Anton Gorodetsky and David Amor. Today's topics will be first the Twitch leaks, which have been uh, yeah, which came out last week. Then we're talking about celebrities and games and what the hell we're trying to do there. And then finally, and most importantly and most interestingly, we are discussing the potential of social tokens. And as today's bonus segment, we're doing a round of bold predictions about, you know, game influencers or streamers, uh, which David is, is super prepared for. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> uh, that he what? has uh, <laughs> he has the remainder of the podcast uh, to think about a uh, bold prediction. Uh, yeah, make sure to have, if you haven't yet to join our Discord, subscribe to our biweekly newsletter. Uh, you can find the link for that in the description. Um one piece of news for me, so a very good friend of mine, he is a frontend engineer and I was you know, talking about blockchain games with him and he's super interested in the space. He's been a gamer for a while. Um, and so if you're a blockchain games company that could use some help in your front frontends, please reach out and uh, I'll, I'll be happy to put you in touch. What is new with you guys? So Anton, it's been like more than a month since you've been on. What yeah, have you been up to, man?
0: Yeah. Sorry about that, guys. Um well, as I've said uh, before we started, I'm actually co-hosting a radio show these days uh, about games. Is it in Russian? Yeah, it's in Russian. It's one of the like one of the biggest uh, Russian radio stations, and they've invited me like a month ago to talk about video games once a week uh, for the whole hour. So I'm kind of like I'm uh, actually. Uh, you know, doing stuff like you Nico. I'm preparing, mm-hmm. I'm writing a script, I'm monitoring the news, which I've been doing anyway, actually. Um yeah, we've also also been hosting some other stuff.
1: That's awesome. So uh if you're if you speak Russian, check in. where is it? where can they listen to it?
0: It's comedy radio. It's actually <laughs> it's dedicated to, you know, stand up okay. and all of that.
1: Okay. Interesting. All right. What's uh What's new with you, C.A.?
3: Yeah, I mean, uh, we're really busy here at Mythical. Uh, we got a lot of projects that we're working through. Um, uh, we're, we'll we'll make some announcement into the near future, which will be great because I can finally talk about things that we're doing. Nice. Uh, but yeah, it's been it's been exciting. Uh, your your friend, that's the uh, front end engineer on blockchain. Maybe maybe we can connect. Because uh, we're okay. growing rapidly, so a little plug for us. Uh, we're still scaling. We're still growing. Um, interesting projects. Uh, so it's been exciting. It's been it's been a journey so far, but it's been it's been awesome. Just so much to learn. So much opportunity.
1: Yeah, I agree. Cool. I'm uh, very excited to hear what you guys come up with uh, and, and the big am- announcement. And then finally, we have we have David, who's you're doing like a hat trick.
2: Yeah, how about that? Yeah,
1: nice. Yeah, I think yeah, you're all... the first one. Got to
2: keep that's people fun. happy. Yeah. Uh, I've, we've got a, um, a trade conference, video game conference, coming into our city later this month. I mean, when's the last time you went to a trade show? It's been a while. Mm. So that's fun. A, that, you know, that it's happening and also that it's happening in the city. And people are getting giddy with excitement at the idea that we get together and talk about games in person for the first time in a couple of years. Can you imagine that? Oh,
0: my that? God. Ha- so, David, have you heard about White Nights sure that's yeah. the,
2: that's the Russian one isn't
0: it yeah it's actually happening today and tomorrow in Moscow. Oh, you
2: see they're all starting to happen again. This one yes. is called develop in in the u k so if anyone's going wants to hit me up, then I'll be around. I will buy you a beer or you can buy me a beer, whatever works uh, but yeah, it feels like conferences are starting again uh-huh that's awesome. I need to check my calendar yeah
1: cool all right that's exciting then uh now yeah let's get on to. we're going to be discussing today so topic number one the twitch leaks so last week it's pretty funny so two days after making fun of facebook for being down (laughs) twitch ironically suffered the biggest leak in their history Um, an anonymous 4chan user posted a 125 gigabyte torrent containing a few things so three years worth of details regarding creator payouts on twitch the entirety of twitch.tv with commit history going back to its early beginnings source code for all of the Twitch clients, code related to proprietary SDKs and internal AWS services. Um, also, interestingly, an unreleased Steam competitor from uh, Amazon Game Studios. Uh, also data on Twitch properties like IGDB and CurseForge and yeah, more information on Twitch's internal security tools. So uh, a big, a big load, a huge, huge leak. Um, what were your uh, takeaways? And, and maybe let's let's go through the most important parts. So first, uh, the Twitch streamer payouts. So a little stats there. So I found what I found interesting is that the top ter- the top ten percent of streamers in the top ten thousand streamers. You should know that there's almost ten million people who stream on a monthly basis. They make fifty percent of the total revenue earned by everyone, and the top one percent makes eighteen percent. So uh, what were your takeaways on that? Uh, Anton, what do you think?
0: Uh, well, I would say that people do not seem to be very like surprised or concerned with the payout section of the leak because it seems that um, lots of streamers have publicly confirmed that everyone already like knows these numbers, mm. and uh, more or less, at least. And uh, what I think is that this leak uh, has definitely made some streamers and, you know, Advertising agencies that work with them, do some analytics, do some math and maybe adjust their tactics because Mm. uh, we've definitely seen that, you know, those guys who make the most on the list are not the most um, popular streamers in terms of the views. So maybe those guys who are like more popular in terms of the views, they have to, you know, think about stimulating their audience. To donate more, to make more paid subscriptions, and all of that, uh, since there is direct correlation between the streamers that get more money and you know uh, them offering their audience to directly influence the content creation process. Like for example, for Just example, one,
1: one notice, uh, what, one right? thing to notice is that um, so in the payouts, the um, so the donations were not included from the uh, audience. Oh, okay. Yeah.
0: All right, but anyway, uh, there's a direct cor- direct correlation um, yeah, between yeah. between those guys that get more money, and you know them offering their audience uh, to directly influence the you know the stream. Mm-hmm. And one uh, more like fun thing I've learned is that the biggest Russian uh, on the list is Halia yeah Play, and his position is guess what, <laughs> it's six hundred five. So that's, you know, that tells you something about the market, doesn't it? (laughs) Mm.
1: So the Russians are not uh, subscribing enough, basically. We
0: are not the biggest country on Twitch. Yeah.
2: And can you explain it? I think you guys know, understand it better than I do. Um, Does it correlate completely with ad revenue? I mean, the more uh, minutes watched equals more dollars Or, or is it? I mean, you talked about donations, but even separate to that. Is the amount of revenue that a streamer receives directly correlated with how much ad revenue or how many minutes is broadcast to people? How does yeah. that work?
0: Yeah, um, apart from donations, they've also, they also do not include the, you know, the collaboration money, right? Uh-huh. So yeah. uh, I'm not sure that there is a direct correlation between the time they stream and the payout they get from Twitch, but mm. you know, I might be wrong on that.
1: If I'm not mistaken, I think some of the, like the top 50 or top 100 streamers, some of them have like special deals where they'll make more run- money per subscriber, basically. Mm-hmm. I think these type of deals are to keep these content creators there so they don't run off to, let's say YouTube gaming or, you know, uh, some other streaming right. platforms, right. yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, I'm pretty sure the top streamers have MGs against them or minimum guarantees against them Mm. so it's an incentive for them to stay yeah subscribership tips donations ad revenue um and then i'm sure there's other things that's outside that ecosystem that they get paid quite a bit in sponsorships uh you know endorsements things of that nature but yeah uh i'm pretty sure twitch does what they can and i think there's part of that release where it talks about that to some degree where you know twitch makes exceptions and they'll you know uh make special package deals you know for some of these top you know influencers to keep them on their platform mm-hmm. just because of what's been happening to them as of late uh and trying to keep them within the ecosystem mm-hmm.
1: yeah i also saw that there was a kind of do not ban list yeah mm-hmm. where there are some names that uh that have been given the reason do not suspend escalate violations to, and then they give like two redacted email addresses um, which is pretty interesting,
2: and and you know, is there any great surprises in that list of revenue? Is there, or, or you know, when you look at it, does it look like as you would expect given the popularity of those streamers, or did anything jump out?
1: I think for me, I'm um, I'm not really surprised. So I've been thinking about this quite a lot. That you know, the biggest streamers even get you know more money per ad that gets watched by their audiences. And so the reason for that is that there's quite a big difference between, you know, if a company wants to have an ad seen during the Super Bowl, let's see, let's say, by, let's say, 50 million people, mm. or they have an ad seen on, let's say, Facebook by 50 million people, um, the price they'll pay for both of those ads is actually quite significantly different, different. So they'll pay way more for the Super Bowl. And so the reason for that is that... Um, if you watch an ad and there is someone sitting next to you also watching the ad, that is going to influence you more than if you watch an ad and you are just the only one looking at it. Hmm. Um, and so the fact that you know that a lot of people also see the ad will influence, will make the ad influence you even more. Um, and so for that reason, I think it's not very surprising that you know the top streamers take home most of the the, the profits, um, and I think that's going to you know stay like that for the you know foreseeable
0: future, if if not ever. Well, that's one bold prediction. Let's <laughs> no,
2: see. Only- I mean, is it just, sorry, sorry, um, I was just wondering, if it's ba- is it basically like CPM? You know, what I'm used to in mobile games is uh, CPM that describes how much revenue you get for every time a, uh, an ad is displayed to somebody. It, it, presumably it just works on the same way. Isn't that what you've just described, Nico? I, again, I'm trying to find out if there's anything salacious in the revenues here that uh, suggests something scandalous. That's what I'm looking so- for.
1: What I feel, but I'm, I don't have the exact data on this, so this could be wrong. But that's so the, the what is it? CPM would go up for people with more subscribers and more viewers. So they're not the same for everyone.
0: Okay. Okay.
2: But so,
1: um, I'm, don't quote me on that. I'm not 100% sure, but that's what I, what the impression that I had from looking at the numbers.
0: I was just Googling the word salacious. I've never had <laughs> this one before. It's a good one. Sorry. <laughs> it's a good one. <laughs> what, I, what I
3: found interesting about, yeah, I mean, outside of the stats that Nico had mentioned earlier, is uh, if there are 10 million people on that platform, you know, streaming, and some are doing it for fun, right? I don't think everyone is on Twitch, you know, to hmm. try to make a living. But if, let's say, some significant portion of that 10 million people, let's say the majority are on there trying to make some sort of a living or passive income, uh, what stood out to me is that the majority of them are not, right? Mm. At least here, like if you take a look at um, the US, let's say average income, the majority of people on Twitch aren't even making that, right? They're not even close. And so I thought that was really interesting, but then that kind of folds into what some of the top streamers do go and say, that it never really hit home for me until this leak came out. And I don't know if you guys follow a streamer. I, I follow him sometimes, one of the oldest ones, uh, named Summit, Summit1G. He does a lot of uh, G. I mean, he plays a lot of different games, but he, he's pretty skilled at a lot of them. And I remember him saying something along the lines of, you know, especially with this banning and the, the type of obfuscation that Twitch provides when it comes to banning individuals. It's not really clear sometimes why someone got banned. I remember him coming out and saying something along the lines of, you know, when you ban someone, you are literally affecting their livelihood, you know, in a way that uh, could be super detrimental. It could literally shut them down, you know, for, you know, the, the, their career, quote unquote. And it doesn't really, it's really interesting when you think about it from that perspective now, because most of these, you know, streamers are struggling, right, to make a living out of, you know, using Twitch as a platform. And so when you juxtapose that against the do not ban list, and see how there's special rules and special privilege. Uh, I think that's that's a very interesting place to be in for Twitch. Although to be fair to them, I don't think you know they're the only ones, right? I think anyone with a big platform makes special rules and exceptions. So the question then becomes like, is that fair? You know, is that good practice? Is that ethical? Things of that nature.
1: Hey, C A. I have a, I have a solution for that, but that's something we're going to be discussing in topic three. So uh, <laughs> let's put this on the side for a bit.
2: <laughs> I see what you did
1: there. I like that.
2: <laughs> oh. <laughs>
1: so um, next up, the, the second thing I'd like to discuss about these Twitch leaks is that you know Amazon is is building a Steam competitor. Interested to, to have your thoughts on on whether you know first, if you're talking about successful you know game stores on the PC. Steam is the only one that comes to mind you know there's a few others. there's whatever e a has the origin I think it's called um there is uh the epic Game store, but they're all very niche um and so my question to you is what does a like the real next steam competitor need you know in order to come in the picture in, in a in a significant way what do you think uh, david
2: first of all, I'm not very surprised that Amazon are building a store that seems pretty predictable, they have one on mobile, <laughs> very, it's uh-huh. the sort of thing they do, and also this kind of company that uh, believes that it can do anything, which is maybe one of the reasons why it's got to where it has, but uh, the fact that it has one wasn't particularly surprising. I think the task of uh, getting people to move over from Steam is immense. I mean, mm. The amount of money that Epic has spent on exclusives and free games to bring people across To the Epic Store, and people haven't, right? Or at least they'll go and download the free game and then go back to Steam. Sorry, Tim. I've I've done that. (laughs) Everyone's done that. (laughs) But uh, so what you'd have to do, I think, is really tough. You could do more with social, you know, being. um, I don't think. uh, I think there's more things that you could do to get people playing together. I I think Steam could do more there. But is that enough, really, to. get people to switch from Steam? I wouldn't think so. Maybe you could offer a good deal to developers, uh, but what is the Steam? Is that 10%, 12% to, to Valve's 30? So even that doesn't seem to, anyway, I'm just thinking Epic's done some uh, smart things that you think would encourage people to move from, from Steam over to Epic, and that just hasn't happened. So I don't know mm-hmm. what Amazon can do, but I uh, don't know others.
3: Yeah, personally for me, I mean, I think it really comes down to, it comes down to games ultimately, right? Uh, and I think it has to be first party products. So if, if you try to go down and, you know, yeah, you know, be an origin, you know, Ubisoft has their version, you know, Epic has their version. I mean, this, this has been a battle that's been raging now for, I don't know, for, for more than a decade And, you know, most people haven't made a crack against Steam, but ultimately it comes down to what are the products that you're making? Is it first party? Can you then leverage your own stack in order to create communities around them? And if you think about it, there's only so many products out there that really leans into that, right? To have a platform where you can come in and do this and build on top of. So if you actually break down Steam and look at what it's done over the years, Steam isn't just a storefront right? It's not just a place to go and find products that you curate. Um, They also have a lot of tools against it, um, particularly around their workshop. And a lot of the products that they released when Steam initially launched back in the early 2000s, they all had um, modding support against it, Steam workshop support, right? Which helps extend the lifeline of that initial product. It allows a pretty dedicated, you know, niche following, but dedicated group of people to come modify, build new communities and so on and so forth. And I think that's really that initial flywheel that you need to attract more and more developers that are of similar mindset and thinking to you. But who's really done that out of all the other platform holders that are trying to compete against Steam? I, I, I Well, at least from memory, I don't, I can't recall anyone else really doing that. And then it becomes a race to provide larger MGs to sign developers to use your platform while reducing your revenue income percentage. So I think that's a losing proposition, right? I I think it's really challenging to do that. And in addition to change cost as a user, right, most of us that have been playing games on PC through Steam, how immense is your library? I don't know about you guys, but I have, I don't know, probably at least a dozen products on my steam account that i still have yet to play but i'm still going Mm -hmm. and buying them because i'm like oh cool i'm I'm gonna for sure play it this year right but then (laughs) so that change cost is enormous right why am i gonna go to another one whether it's um what's this one called now uh, Nico on I, Vapor. I, Vapor, that's, which, by the Vapor. way, in my opinion, sorry, Jeff Bezos, <laughs> that's the worst name for a gaming platform. Whoever came up with you gotta that. You got to love the
0: wordplay. You got to love the wordplay.
3: <laughs> but yes, like, I, I think, and it's a code name to be fair to them, but ultimately at the end of the day, it, I think the change cost is super high at this point, right? Why would I want to move from Steam to somewhere else unless there's something really compelling? And the compelling part, I think you could break that up into a couple pillars. You know, Is it going to be you know, more socially connected in ways that maybe Steam and Epic and others haven't done? Is there something a little bit more special with their technologies that maybe it now weaves through all the other things that Amazon have already built, right? Maybe through Amazon Prime, through their main storefront, through their audio book club, this and that. I, I can see a world where that connects, right? Because now mm-hmm. you have a, literally a one-stop shopping place online, for all your, all your goods, right? That could be really interesting. Two is the games. They have to have great games that allow for use of that platform. And I don't think they have a great track record of that yet. <laughs> Although New World I think is doing pretty decent for them now, mm-hmm. but I mean, you know, there's a bunch of skeletons by the side of the road for investments that they've made in the past. So I think that's another one that they really have to solve for. So yeah, I think, I think it's gonna be challenging. I guess is what I'm saying. <laughs>
1: And and do I hear a bold prediction about this coming or? Uh? <laughs> maybe maybe. <laughs> I can open go.
0: Yeah, so there's not really much to add to what David and C A have said. Uh, I I'll just say that Amazon had lo- has lots of money, and we all know that Epic has sunk like half a billion dollars already into the EGS, and they do not expect to be profitable by 2027. So. Uh, on one hand, it is very uh, um, it is very costly to make uh, a profitable game store, right? And of course, they need good games and not only new worlds, right? But on the other hand, Amazon is super rich, and uh, unlike Epic, uh, they 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 actually have money enough to do that, maybe, and also. Uh, I've learned that um, uh, there's been a report on the web uh, that says that Amazon filed a patent in back in 2017 called Joining Games from a Spectating system, which describes the ability to watch and start live broadcasts as well as purchase games and game demos. So the app would then let you download the games as well. And what I think from this is that uh, pretty much everyone is thinking about metaverse these days in this way or that way. And I believe Amazon might do something towards the metaverse in this sense. So maybe this would be the one thing that, uh, as you have just said, uh, separates uh, the vapor or whatever they call it eventually mm. from all other competitors.
2: It's, um, it's really hard We'd, if I think back. I guess Microsoft, when was Xbox One, whenever that was, Uh, sort of 2000, something like that. Anyway, it's taken them 20 years or so to really get a foothold in the games industry. And then Microsoft, Mm -hmm. they're they're another very rich company that's been trying really hard. And only recently would you say that they've really gone toe-to-toe with the incumbents. And then people like Disney have broadly failed um, I mean, they don't have a big foot. Well, they've done some cool things, but you wouldn't say they were a large part of the games industry. Viacom, another big media company that hasn't really got foothold despite trying, it's really hard. And, and you would say that um, Amazon have been trying for a while now and they've had some small successes, but you can't point to anything that suggests that they're better than uh, Disney that's come before it. So I think that it's it's just a really hard thing to break into the games industry at that kind of scale. I would say so. Mm-hmm. It's just a, a really tough job, even if you're a smart, well-funded company, which they are.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Let's see. Agree. It's very unlikely that they're successful, and if they are, it's going to be on the back of uh, some serious, serious investments from uh, from, uh, from Jeff.
2: You know, he could just uh, he could just do one less rocket and instead, you know, (laughs) put it all into vapor.
1: David, rocket science is easier than making games. (laughs) It would seem. You know that. That is true. (laughs) There we go. Cool. All right, let's uh, move on to topic two. Celebrities and the metaverse, the good, the bad, and the ugly. So uh, next to basically all investors and tech companies, celebrities are now also starting to get FOMO for being part of the metaverse. The newest celebrity to bless the gaming industry with her presence is none other than Paris Hilton. Last week, the TV personality slash entrepreneur slash influencer slash podcaster didn't even know she had a podcast. Um, She's launching or she launched Paris World. It's an outpost on Roblox that will let fans explore everything that Paris Hilton is about. It includes massive DJ stages, Paris's own house, a zoo, and of course a private jet, yacht, and island. So uh, the event production is done by Dash Radios DXSH Gaming Studio Division. Never heard of them, um, and so they aim to build experiences that mirror events happening to Paris in real life, so everyone can experience them. Very curious. What were your initial thoughts when you when you read this, Ca?
3: You know. Um This might not be popular opinion, but I got to give it up to Paris, man. You know, like, and the reason I say this is because if you think about it, she's like one of the, like, OG influencers. That's true. Right? And what I, you know, at first glance, you might just see her as like a flash in the pan, which some could argue she is, but I will give her a lot of credit for like evolving herself over time, right? I mean, look at the thing that you just read out. What, what is she now? Uh, she's a DJ. She's an influencer. Uh, she's a podcaster. Now she's a, right? <laughs> right? I mean, whether that's 100% true or not, like that's another topic to, you know, discuss. But the fact that, you know, she knows how to stay on top of trends, you know, chase after them, have some level of skill to be able to, you know, you know, build things around. I got to give her some credit for that, but also I think uh, I, I I thought it was interesting that of all the things that she could have chosen, she chose Roblox, right, like, because like I'm, I'm sure we're going to get into it in just a second with the celeb thing, but there's a lot of other, I think, you know, uh, lower investment and lower uh, overhead uh, type of projects that she could have done, like simple endorsements, right? I, like some that I'm sure we'll talk about in just a second with, you know, the 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 Lindsay Lohans of the world and the Kim Kardashians of the world, right? Like the stuff that they've been doing, which I am totally against, but like at least she's trying to create an experience in Roblox, which, you know, ultimately, look at the look at the audience size. I mean, look at the audience demographic rather. You know, they're on the relatively younger side. And, you know, is she actually being savvy and strategic and trying to influence a younger group of you know, consumers, right? Uh, And, you know, kind of get to them before they get older. I don't know. I think there's a play there. So I I give her some credit for doing it. I guess it's my take.
0: Have you guys actually played the game?
3: No, I haven't. I have not.
0: Yeah. Well, the thing is that uh, uh, as much as I agree with uh, what CA has said about Paris, um, apparently there are now YouTube videos claiming that this is one of the worst Roblox games. And... (laughs) uh, the, the, the major drawback with that is that it uses free models there. And I wish Jan was here today just you know, to give a, a little bit more perspective on that. But apparently they have a prison basketball court there. So there's a model uh, of a like prison court uh, mm-hmm. there in her whatever that is. And also there's a bar from the infamous boys and girls hangout game or experience... And there have been viruses, uh, which are, you know, disseminated through these free Roblox models. And the game crashed several times, and there were bugs. And due to the usage of the f- of these free models, players have been teleported to other games right out of the Paris thing. And eventually it got banned. And I've seen... Uh, in these YouTube videos that uh, Roblox has even been saying sorry or something like that for that. Because, uh, yeah, because uh, apparently it has been done by non-Roblox people at all. So these guys have never developed a single Roblox experience before. So when we are talking about investments in your media coverage and in your PR, we should bear in mind that her team might not have spent anything at all, like some minor cash on that. Hmm.
3: That's an excellent point, like uh, which is totally fair, right? Like I not surprised that it's a cluster for them, right? I, I think it was a good <laughs> marketing ploy on their part. Um, I can again, this is why I said it was fascinating that they picked Roblox because you know there' are some great products or you know experiences within Roblox. And then there's always, you know, going to be, because of its UGC type of content, you know, the low bar. So, like, where she fell uh, or where that experience fell, I think is really uh, telling. Uh, but I haven't tried the experience. I'm glad Anton did. Uh, but, yeah, I- I'm not surprised at that at all, right?
2: Hmm. It sounds like Anton's pretty down on it. I, however, I, fi- I figure now the metaverse can really start. Now that, you know, that's the, f- the starting pistol of the metaverse. It will be written in history as the moment that Paris Hilton uh, set up with her (laughs) bootleg prison basketball court (laughs) and a set of viruses. I'm starting to wonder if it was Paris herself that made it at all. Maybe (laughs) she found someone else to make it. Anyway, (laughs) uh, I think I agree. That's interesting, Anton. I hadn't heard that stuff, but not entirely surprising. It seems like she got the wrong team to, to build that for her. I would agree with CA that it seems like great strategy. I mean, it seems smarter to to place yourself and advertise yourself in roblox than plenty of other places if that's where your audience is and you offer something cool that they like then i think that's a very smart thing to do so i think it's a, a very savvy move from uh paris hilton's team it, but it sounds like it might have been messed up a little bit uh, good idea poorly implemented by the sounds of things
1: but uh it is roblox where her, uh, her audience is
0: well, her future audience, maybe okay. <laughs> logically, maybe. So,
2: I mean, because
1: because I mean, for me, like Paris Hilton was relevant, like I don't know, 10, 15 years ago or something.
0: And yeah, I- but that's a that's a chicken and an egg uh, situation. I mean, uh, she was relevant some time ago, and now she's trying to be relevant again through Roblox audience. And what I think, I'm not, I'm not like down on this, not at all. I also think that that's a great, <laughs> uh, uh, that's a great thing both for, for Roblox. And the industry and paris because this means that uh the industry has matured enough for the likes of paris hilton to use roblox or any other platform for that matter gaming plat- platform uh for their publicity stunts and uh th- there's um, there's like a copycat in russia uh i would not like tell the name because this would say like nothing to you but she is doing pretty much the same thing she has not yet done the Roblox thing but she has recently uh, issued her own token yeah I believe it failed uh, but it's not like the same as the social token we talking we're gonna talk about it's just a token that you could buy but anyway uh, they have people behind them which are tracking the trends and obviously, this is now the trend—the metaverse, the Roblox experience. So yeah, that's that's generally that's a good thing.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm uh, I'm very happy that this you know because if you see Paris Hilton in the news, um, I felt like I had two two options in my head. One option was, you know, something like this. And the second option was, you know, she was involved in some kind of crypto scam. You know, I guess that's what you're talking about, what the copycat was doing, was promoting some kind of fishy coin that, uh, you know, would go to the moon or whatever. Um, that ended up, you know, getting rug pulled or whatever. Um, anyway, so I'm glad that as opposed to, you know, many other celebrities, I think Lindsay Lohan was a part of some fishy, you know, crypto scam. Uh, she's actually trying to, you know, be a, a good part of of, uh, of the metaverse uh Although you know <laughs> she wasn't very successful
3: in, in doing that until uh, until now, I guess. Yeah, I think it's that part that's that's really just um, look. I, I I'm all for people needing to make a living and doing what they gotta do and doing endorsements, but there there's got to be a point in time where they know that they're going into something with little to no knowledge of it, uh, and and they're like shilling a product essentially that you know they probably have no awareness of. Right? so. Lindsay Lohan, let's put her aside because she tried to get into some, yeah, like some crypto project, some NFT project. But if I look at like, let's say, uh, you know, you know, Kim Kardashian or something, right? When I don't know if you guys have heard of her, you know, thing with uh, Ethereum Max, right? So she, she did this recent thing where she's like, oh my gosh, are you guys into crypto? Did this whole like thing, made it look like a post that she put up and somewhere in that post, like there's a small little thing that says "ad," right? But most people are going to miss that right? Because it's three characters, right? It's like hashtag AD, that's it. And it's a total ad, but it reads like it's a thing. She has a massive following. And, you know, to me, that's a rug pull at the end of the day. And I think it's that's, that's where, you know, celebs getting into the space, you know, that's where it gets a little shady for me. It's like you're, you're operating in a very volatile space that's super speculative. And if you're asking people or, you know, hinting at, hey, there's a potential thing here and you have, what, hundreds of millions of followers, right, that listen to her every word, I I don't know, that 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 feels bad, right? And that's when I see like celeb endorsements like that come up where it's super suspect, you know, so I don't know. That's why like when I juxtapose Paris and like what Kim did, like it's very different to me, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: All right. Uh, and finally, do you see uh, more celebrities doing similar things, like building these experiences, finding new ways, new ways for their fans to engage with whatever they're doing?
2: Yes, absolutely. Why not? I mean, that's uh, if that's where the audience is, and or at least. And audiences, if that's mm. where your audience is, then of course that's where you should be. I've, I've made the mistake in the past of trying to drag an audience to a place where they're currently not, and that's just a waste of time. You're much mm-hmm. better going where the audience is and talking to them there. And so if they're on roadblocks, then that's a very smart thing to do, particularly mm. since the platform allows you to do that. You could even turn it into a revenue opportunity. I think you just need to find somewhere better to build the, uh, the environment, right? It mm-hmm. sounds like.
1: Boris, you heard it here first you want help, we, we know a guy, so you can contact Jan yeah. and uh, he, he'll help you out. He got you covered. <laughs> All right, let's let's uh, let's move on to the, the our third topic of today. So uh, last week we discussed the rise of the creator economy. And one of the reasons this phenomenon is getting more and more traction is because of the concept of social tokens. Now, what are social tokens? Social tokens are blockchain-based assets. Yes, we're talking about blockchain, that allow fans to acquire a stake in their favorite creator. And to illustrate this a little bit better, let's give an example. So, let's say that I decide to become a streamer. And I have a thousand listeners of this podcast that you know really like me and uh, want to support me in my dream of becoming a streamer. But the problem is that I don't have a good streaming setup, and so I can't really get started. So, I can issue um, or create 1,000 social tokens that I would call Nico tokens. And they're my personal social token. And I put those up for sale for $10 each. And because my listeners love me so much, or more probably because they take pity on me, they each buy one Nico token. So I sell uh, 1,000 Nico tokens for $10 each. So I have $10,000 that I can use to get a pretty decent streamer setup. And my fans have 1,000 tokens. So I'm happy. Now, the question is, what the hell will my fans be able to do with these social tokens? And uh, So there's a few things that are possible with this. Um, so, for example, um, one of the things that I could you know, allow my token holders to do is to have a special color in my stream chat. So when I'm streaming and they type, type something, they, their name or their text will be in a special color. That's pretty simple. They could also vote on what game I play next um, with each token representing one vote. Um, they can join weekly AMAs, you know, ask me anything where I answer their questions, uh, or they could get access to a private Discord server. It's all pretty, you know, normal stuff, but there's more interesting stuff coming. So what we could also do, for example, is that each token can ask to join my stream for one hour only once. So each token gets issued from that moment. They have like, you know, a joint stream parameter. Um, and the moment a token uses that, then... That's, you know, that token, even if it gets sold, cannot be used again to join the stream. Um, so in that world, you would have two different types of tokens, ones that had their, you know, rights to join the stream redeemed and one that, that would not have it. And there's also a potential for token holders to get, you know, 10% of all of my future streaming revenue, which, as we've you know, seen in the Twitch leaks, can be quite significant if I get super, um, you know, su- super big one day. And so this is an early way for early. Uh, this is a way for early fans to support, you know, their favorite creators, um, and also a way for them to get rewarded uh, for believing in in the creator uh, in, from you know the early days. So yeah, long well, explanation. Then,
2: Does it make sense? There's one thing that you didn't cover there. I mean, fascinating, first of all. But also the idea that if you're holding one of those tokens and you bought it for $10 in your example, and then, Nico, you blow up and you're the biggest uh, Twitch streamer there is, then people are going to want those rewards and you can sell that $10 token for $100, $1,000. Exactly. If you're a superstar. So, you know, if you really believe in the talent, then it's a way that you could actually make some uh, money from going in early. I think it's a fascinating idea and it feels like... Kickstarter on steroids where you can yeah. build, you can help somebody build something that you really believe in but now you don't just get a product at the end you actually get well, a, a, whatever you want plus the ability to sell that token on so that if you want to so it's got a load of aspects and load of utility it feels like it's a really nice idea
1: mm-hmm. Anton you and your radio show when uh, are you <laughs> wishing uh, the Anton token <laughs> <man?
0: laughs> I've been thinking about that and I've also been thinking about uh, that I should have read the you know the link that you have sent earlier um before the actual uh recording of the episode because then <laughs> I could have, <laughs> yeah because then I could have like deconstructed that in Russian on my Facebook and then get some feedback and then I would have been able to discuss this uh this particular topic a bit more thoroughly but anyway uh as much as David uh I'm also super like um, excited about this thing and uh, about the particular idea of investing in personalities and not in like companies uh, but I also believe that this idea has been around well I believe longer than blockchain has existed and uh, I I just don't know the, the the background of this you know to to see what particular difference blockchain brings into this. And I also have some probably stupid questions about, well, in particular, uh, so w- when you invest in a company, right? Uh, you mostly do that in public companies and publicly, publicly listed companies, they are, they're supposed to be scrutinized by SAC and other you know regulatory bodies. But who's going to regulate NICO? Or Billie Eilish or Lil Nas Lil Nas X. What if they uh, stop terminate their careers? What if they, you know, what what if anything happens to them? Who's gonna be responsible? Who's gonna be, um, you know, uh, getting you returns on your investment? Mm. So that might be a stupid question when it comes to blockchain, but that's that's the first, first thing that comes up. When I think about that,
1: I think it's uh, super relevant. See, you.
3: yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, I think it's a a very valid question to ask, because um, ultimately, yeah, you're right. You know, there this isn't the first time a you know quote unquote social token was created, right? So if you kind of like look back on like mu- musical artists, you know, from back in the days, uh, let's use David Bowie as an example, you know back in like what the late 90s, he issued, uh, you know, Bowie bonds essentially, right? Which was essentially a social token. And the idea was, okay, you know, by securitizing, you know, my, my assets, which is like his musical library, you're able to, you know, earn income from that because he, you know, set it at some type of annual, you know, interest rate, uh, you know, over X period of time. So the, the question that Anton was asking, earlier around like, yeah, how do you regulate, like, they had to go through all of that, right? They, because, you know, at the time they weren't using blockchain technologies. So they had to have, they probably had to paper some type of contract over some period with some type of annual percentage rate based on whatever his albums were going to earn. And, you know, some people came and bought it. And I think it was Prudential, which was a, it's a massive financial company. They paid, you know, uh, $55 million for those quote unquote social tokens, right? And so that's that's a pretty significant sum, but I mean, it's David Bowie, so I get it. Uh, but here, I think, you know, you have a lot of similarities against that, right? Because everything that Nico said earlier around the creators can ultimately use social tokens as a form of like compensation to help grow their, you know, their their brand, their business, and they have believers, early adopters, like true fans, right? That can really help to elevate you in that way. Um, I think all the benefits are there, um, which is uh, you know incredible. And then I think it also helps to remove you know some of the intermediaries that a lot of the times without having blockchain and social tokens in place, you tend to have. And so you know the relationship between content creator and you know f- and fans become a lot closer then. Right, which I think ultimately is great. It's great that you're able to do that. It's great that you as a fan with you know X percentage of social tokens, assuming that it's you know limited in nature, which I'm assuming it will be, um, having that direct relationship, leaving out the intermediaries, being able to decide and vote on interesting topics that the content creator is supposed to go and do. I think all that stuff is really fun. The 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 area though, the flip side of that that I see that might be challenging though, is that Because it's an asset at that point, and there's some type of inherent value behind it, there's going to be a lot more pressure, at least in my opinion, on what's going to end up happening to the content creator to uphold the value of that token, right? So imagine like, you know, like using Nico as the example from earlier, let's say your fans love what you're doing and they, you know, they're like, give give us more, give us more, right? And you know, we want the value of our token to also go up. I mean, now you might be in a situation where you got to deliver. And you might have to deliver more and more and more than what you might have initially set out to do. And as with, you know, companies and stock and all these other things, you know, it, your, your value might tumble based on the, I don't know, the, the, the whims of your audience, right? Depending on what they feel like they're getting is of fair value or beyond the value that they might have initially started with. So I, I, I think it's an interesting, you know, mechanism to get fans engaged But where it's going to go and how it's going to manifest, I think that's going to be the challenging part. Because long term, I think unless you really get big, it's going to be super challenging to maintain.
2: Mm, I've got a different solution to the problem you described, which is, you know, how how do you make sure you adhere to delivering that content that you said you would? Which is that uh, you could just say, well, it's at the whim of the person doing it. So if if it turns out that people have bought the Nico token and Nico turns out to be a flake and you know delivers six months of what he was said he was going to and then just walks away from it well you haven't you haven't got a to that, that wasn't a particularly good investment as it turned out you thought you knew Nico you thought he was reliable he did the podcast every week but it turned out that you know he just found something else to do is that okay or not or is that uh, too risky for people or not fair to people
1: mm. I think um, if you're issuing a token, what you're issuing also is, what what you're putting at stake is your reputation, right? And I think that's why if you have someone like, let's say Kim Kardashian, that would issue tokens, um, if, I mean, if she, uh, I mean, we've talked about her, you know, (laughs) talking about scams before, so maybe not the best example, but I mean, if she issues a token and then it turns out, or she would walk away, that would hurt her reputation, which is probably for her, the most valuable thing she has. Right, um, and so I can imagine that there's going to be premium, a premium paid, you know, for people who already have a name and something at stake. And, and you know, someone like me, I, I would like these thousand people would have to you really believe in me in order to to give me my, my ten dollars, right? Um, so yeah, I think it's all about reputation and, and and everything surrounding that.
0: I'm getting some Black Mirror vibes here because uh, there's this example in the article about um, some guy called Kerman Colley who launched a social token, Kerman. And so the guys who have uh, bought the token, they could have influenced even which company he works for. So they had a like uh, a vote. Mm. And um, what happens if... I mean, there are lots of bad people on the web, right? And <laughs> what happens when... I mean, when we're talking about the new trends, the metaverses and the... Um, like the blockchain economy we always we usually assume that uh there are only good people you know like us, but <laughs> uh are <laughs> gonna be some bad- pe- people, and what if they buy the token and what if they uh and and that's a what that's a governance token right or I don't know i mean
1: yeah does really well no it's it's a social token, not necessarily a governance token, but because you can vote, but it's not necessarily binding right okay
0: okay but yeah well what if what if the majority votes for you to terminate the contract with uh you know with some brand and you have to do that right
1: uh, no there's like you don't have to do it right but so then what
0: would... then what would be the point of you know creating tokens and selling them to your community to your fans
1: again you don't have to do it but your reputation is at stake right so if mm-hmm. if you decide you know to say screw you guys I don't agree with whatever you voted <laughs> on I mean then obviously the the value of your token is gonna go down your your influence value or influencer value or creator value is gonna go down um, I think this stuff becomes interesting because now we're talking about people doing stuff in real life and having social tokens and so there's still this divide between what happens on the blockchain and what happens in in real life however if we start integrating that shit into the metaverse and you know like let's say you you lock your avatar up inside some kind of room or stuff like that then then we we can get into these you know black mirror types of uh of situations
2: i th- i think it's self-governing i think as you said the the uh it, the token goes down in price if you're not delivering on the things that you said you would or the quality isn't there and that, and, you know, that probably leaks into other things that you're doing. And if, if you're trying to make a name for yourself, then you, that's not a desirable outcome. So I don't think it necessarily needs to be governed by a third party. Mm. I think it, it sort of sorts itself out. But... Yeah, you're right, Anton, that That's you can easily find yourself in a weird situation where you feel like you've got to dance for your public every day because at some point in time you said that, and to stop doing that would really damage your reputation or drop your share price, your social token. It's, wow, that's a fun thing to think about.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think that's what's fascinating about it, right? Because, you know, on the one hand, there's a lot more intimacy, control, and relationship you have you know, with your audience, which ultimately, I think if you're, you know, in a particular industry, or you are your particular brand or content creator, I think it makes a lot of sense. All right. But you know, if you're not, and again, like if your delivery on your promise, and what you're able to do, and the cadence in which you need to keep that up, you know, one can argue, like, you know, not going down the social token route and doing what most have done already in current marketplace, right, which is, You know, you can go the patronage model, you can go a subscription model, so on and so forth. But I think when you actually make the leap into doing something like social tokens, um, there's an inherent like trust that's being formed uh, with your super fans, your early fans, whatever you want to call them. And then it really allows you and sets you up so that you can create additional liquidity by having that connection, which I think is a delicate balance uh, for a lot of content creators to find. So, uh, I, I think it's early years, uh, you know, in terms of social tokens and what it might end up doing, um, but I'm sure a lot more creative ideas will come about. But I think the, I think the content creators who are really savvy and understand it really well, um, I think they're going to use it as just another vehicle um, to, you know, you know, amass, you know, more followers and it be that much more closer uh, to the intended target audience that they're looking for. And, you know, they'll be better off for it. Mm-hmm. I want to make two, you know,
1: statements, and I'd love to have your uh, your feedback on that. So my first is that I think that social tokens um, will be the, you know, the preferred way for fans to support their favorite creators, because you know if you if you look at the current types of um, of solutions, there's you know donations going through a platform where a share gets taken, uh, Patreon, etc. And so there's always a middleman, um, so there's always some value lost. And so I think social tokens sol- solve for this as well. Um, what I also think is that the ones who do this, as you said, say uh, do this correctly. I think in the next months and years, um, so the early movers that you know figure out how to do this will benefit tremendously because what I think you'll see is that's um, what I see in, in the in the crypto space in general. Like there's a lot of people trying to make quick gains and and you know just flip something and so they'll ape into if, if you're if you do it well uh, they'll ape into your token and start spreading your name everywhere because and 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 i think this is one of the strengths right that if you do this right early you'll have like a, a base of, of of people who are invested in you um and who will do everything they can to to make sure that you you know get more popular because everyone benefits from that um and so i think for for us so the in, in crypto, we have like summers. So last year was DeFi summer. This year was NFT summer, um, and I think it's it's not unlikely that next year we're gonna have a social token summer. Hmm. Where, uh, you'll see uh, some big some big um, uh, creators, um, not necessarily streamers, it could be you know a uh, Paris Hilton for example as well. Uh, will will yeah create these social tokens.
2: It's a good. Those are some good thoughts and also a great topic. Uh, it's fun to talk about that. I you know, hadn't really spent a lot of time thinking about it, but I agree with a, a lot of what you said. I think um, it seems like a better model than, you know, tips or uh, Patreon or OnlyFans or, you know, whatever method people are using. It seems like a better system. Would you expect that if you're a content creator, do you hold on to a set of tokens yourself, as you would equity in a company? Would you, like, issue 100 or 1,000 and then uh, actually put out 200 of them so that you're, you actually see some value. You're holding stock of yourself. If that makes any sense. Is that how you see that working?
1: I, I don't know. I would not necessarily, um, because one, you can design the token in such a way that like if you the token benefits, if you benefit, so you don't really need to have your own stake, right? If you, if you have a revenue share, whenever money you make that will anyway be shared. Um, what I do think might be interesting is, um, and, and this this article, which I'll, I'll link in the description because it's, it's really well written about social tokens. It talks about um, people being able to earn more social tokens. So what I could imagine is to have like an initial token offering uh, of, of the Nico token, let's say. Uh, let's say that I create a thousand and I would issue, let's say 800. 200 would be locked into a smart contract and actually given out um, to people who engage in my stream. So let's say if, if people, you know, spent, you know, 100 hours watching my stream, then they would be rewarded with one token to give an example. Um, and so that way, I mean, it's not really that I hold it, but it will be locked up and, and you can do some, some really interesting things with that.
2: I think in the same article, there was an example of uh, a, um, an artist that would reserve front row seats for, right. some, for token holders exactly. and ideas like that that really are meaningful. People, tons yeah. of great ideas there.
1: It's, I think, uh, and that's the reason why, like, it, it all makes so much sense that I believe that is going to be very big in the future.
0: There you go,
2: bold
1: prediction, yeah. Cool. Um, any anything more to add, CA or uh, or Anton? Um,
0: no, I guess we'll like we'll have to see what happens next with this.
3: I agree, CA. Uh, same, yeah. I, I think uh, it was well covered. Uh, I think there's a lot of possibilities. Um, that will that will
0: All come right. up. I've seen some platforms uh, back in the article, so after that I guess I'm gonna check them out and maybe you know Do it issue. Yeah, issue a social token tonight. Are you gonna
2: make an investment, Anton? Um you I know, will, in a social token. I don't know what's available, but get in early. <laughs>
1: yeah, no, I'm gonna no, no. he's gonna issue Anton. Go. I'm
0: gonna I'm gonna do both. I'm gonna do my research and you know, maybe issue a token of myself as well as investing in some other people.
3: Yeah, I mean, if you guys haven't looked already, I mean, I I think one of the larger groups that have really adopted social tokens is, uh, you know, the, you know, soccer or football. Um, If you take a look at a lot of the clubs that are out there today, um, let's take uh, Manchester City as an example, you know, they have their own social token, right? And if you take a look at a lot of the other leagues or, you know, the clubs that are out there, they've also now created their own social tokens that provide you know, certain benefits to token holders and such, right? So the sports world is already moving in that direction. Uh, What I think is going to be interesting is, you know, when you have, you know, other industries also starting to come in, like to the article that you had pointed out, um, you know, with artists, uh, you know, musicians and such. Um, And I think once, you know, more and more people come into the industry, have, you know, interesting ideas on how to leverage that token for value, um, you know, we'll see... I think, bigger adoption. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, agreed. All right, let's uh, go on to my favorite part of the podcast, which is bold predictions. And in this case, we're talking about streamers slash game influencers. Uh, David, you can go first.
2: Oh, I appreciate that. (laughs) I told you at the front of the show that I had nothing... And you go to me first. Why would you do that? <laughs> Usually, you know, I, I can riff off other people. Don't do that to me. Uh, all right, here's something. It's sort of connected broadly to, to your bold prediction. At what point do you think that there's more video being consumed over digital streaming platforms? You know, I don't mean TV channels like Netflix. I mean YouTube and Twitch over regular Cable, terrestrial, whatever you call it, uh, regular TV channels. You see what I mean? So I, when I look at the behavior of my kids, they, they're they watching a lot more YouTube. You know, everybody will tell you this, right? The kids are watching YouTube. They're not watching uh, NBC or BBC or those traditional channels. So I'm wondering what my bold prediction is that's going to happen soon. That's fake, isn't it? Uh, it's going to happen before the end of the decade.
1: It's not very bold. <laughs>
2: not, I told you don't go with me first. Ask someone else. <laughs> uh,
1: but, um, okay, yeah. I'll, I'll accept
2: it. Hold okay, on.
0: okay. I'm going to go a little bit further. And uh, since Nico has, like, super narrowed the, you know, the bold prediction topic this time, I'm going to go and say that by uh, the end of, you know, the, um, by the end of the decades streaming slash gaming or whatever you may call it like some combination of streaming and gaming uh will wipe out all traditional media be it uh, oh, wow. be it cable or radio or you know text media or whatever yeah so
1: game related streaming will be bigger than any other
0: i mean media. metaverse gaming slash gaming related streaming like you know stuff we do on roblox and all of that, not like gameplay in particular.
2: But people are still gonna want drama and comedy and things that you don't tend to get from. Streaming. Yeah, that's gonna
0: that's still gonna happen there because uh, you know the Squid Game, which is uh-huh. like super hyped right now. They've already done that in Roblox of in some kind. They're gonna do that in Roblox and some other platforms, and everybody's gonna watch that on streaming services. And they won't need any other traditional media whatsoever by the end of the decade. This is quite David, bold.
1: Take <laughs> notes of good bold predictions.
2: <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't be mean to me, Nico. I'm sorry, David. I'm sorry, on, David.
3: <laughs> I like it, Anton. I like it. Uh, I like that bold prediction. It's it's bold for sure. Um, I I guess maybe maybe I'm maybe I'm somewhere in the middle, but uh, I feel like streaming. Uh, it's going to take a a bit of a turn in that I think the gaming side of the business, uh, you know, streaming games, you know, and, you know, having viewers watching others play games, I think that's only going to increase, Uh, you know, whether it's, you know, live stream broadcasts or it's, you know, video on demand that, you know, let's say you get on YouTube. I think that's only going to increase over time just because of the content that's been coming up. But my bold prediction is that uh, there's going to be a lot more games that will incorporate streamers directly you know into the actual experience right uh you know i don't think it's going to happen overnight but you know in i would say in like less than 10 years you know there will be a hit product that will find a way to incorporate streamers directly into an experience uh, so that it 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 has like that perfect Venn diagram of the drama, the comedy, what have you, that you get from, you know, production, broadcast, right? But now it's done with a bunch of live streamers that have personalities themselves, right? Because to some degree, they're, they're they're actors themselves, right? And I think there's going to be a good blend of that. And, you know, I would be super surprised if Netflix is not already working on this idea, All right? But nice. that's my bold prediction.
1: I like it's... All right, some good ones. Some less good ones.
3: Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> so you Nico. Know, I'm,
1: I'm, I'm just making this hard for you so you're never going to forget to prepare this in the future. The that man has
0: crazy. the man has just done a hat trick. Come on. That's yeah, true. Come on. He's
1: just tired of all these bold predictions. I get it. I get it. David, I forgive you. All of my jokes aside, I absolutely forgive you. Cool. All right. Let's, uh, let's let's round up the episode. Thanks for joining me, Anton, David, and CA. It was, uh, it was great having you. Great insights. Listener, if you you know liked what you heard, feel free to give us a, a good rating. Um, subscribe, and if you want, yeah, you can always join our Discord. Uh, you can find links to that in the description or on navig.co This was the Metacast, and we look forward to speaking to you in the next week. Cheers.
3: Bye. Thanks, everybody.